Morning, Jody. Can I have any chance of my 20 minutes back? <laughs> he's not he's not happy. He's been waiting. He's on holiday and uh he's been raring to we, go. We, we were supposed to record the podcast less yesterday evening, but Joe, uh well, it's probably his law of the week, so we'll get to that in a second. But right now it's Tuesday morning, supposed uh, supposed to record it at 10 a.m. We're set up at 9.50, which is Big on time, but then he had so many ta- tasks to do. And then it was 10, 20, 20 minutes gone through the drain. <laughs> but you know what they anyway. say, mate, you've got to wait. Though You've got to wait for the best things, haven't you? You know, quality <laughs> takes time. Quality takes time. All right, let's get it going. How uh, How's the week been? I mean, you're back in Norwich and... Back in Norwich, mate, after a monster drive that was horrendous yesterday. Uh, so I broke the drive up in two days. And um, I've done this drive, like way up into Fontmore, which is pretty much the same as Girona. It's like a little bit shorter, but you have to go up in the mountains to Fontmore, so it works at the same time. And every time I've been to Fontmore, I've done it in one go, and it's been horrendous. And I've been like, I'm not doing it again in one day. I'm not doing it again in one day. So today, so this time, I thought I'll break it up, do it in two days. And it was even worse doing it in two days because you just get two crap days of traveling. Whereas I think you're best just nailing it in one go, having one big, big day, and then just chilling out. So. First day, drove about five and a half, six hours, got to a place called Clermont Ferrand in France. And then the next day, it should have been pretty simple, five and a half, six hours to Calais, but get the boat over, get home for about 4.30 p.m. after setting off at six. Got like there, then we got the ferry told, no one told us when we were checking in that the ferry was delayed. So um, we looked online that said two hour delay and we were like, oh God. And there was nowhere to get any food, nowhere to like sit down or anything. You're literally just stuck in this massive car park next to like uh, the boats. Luckily, that was wrong. And we were, they loaded us on after about 30 minutes. So by the time it set off, it was only an hour delay. Then we got to England, started off, got stuck on the M25, literally for about an hour and a half, two hours stuck, like moved about two miles trying to get across. Got home at 9 p.m. second day after leaving at 6 a.m. It's like, oh, journey from I, hell i i'm a big fan of trying to crack it in one day if you're physically able to crack it in one day correct the nut because it's just two days of shit travel and you think exactly like, oh, it's going to be easy but no because the second time you need to get up in the morning you want to leave early you're on a highway again constant energy it's just constantly these mental battles just yeah. i just hate just just crack it boom ne- yeah next time i would just set off like i normally do you know like early than early one day or do an all-nighter and just crack it no and just because it's it's only uh you do about an extra five six hours and you just get it all done in one go and i had like the tiktok extraordinaire mm-hmm. buddy noel mulkey like trying to tiktok me every like two minutes as well <laughs> crazy <laughs> like... yeah that sounds like a nice little recovery drive <laughs> um... Mate, it, was hard, it was harder than the nine hour ride we did over the mountains Having someone constantly, hi Joe, can we get a t- can we get a TikTok? <laughs> have you um, have you got any? Have you got another low? Yeah, eight hundred meter swim TT, mate. Like Noel Mulkey, I'd been wanting to race. We we'd, we'd been wanting to race each other and swim all week and or for the three weeks. I'd been kicking his ass in every swim. Then we came to the swim TT, and I just didn't have it. And he but he put me away, didn't he? I was like absolutely fucking devastated that he managed to beat me in that because he was so fucking smug as well (laughs) he was really living up to it he was really living up to it i think you needed to need to do it again after uh, this week rest week i definitely need to again i had nothing in the tank i was so empty when i did it and you know when you're warming up and you feel like this isn't gonna be my day because we said it in the change rooms and when we said it in the change rooms he cut his ears kind of perked up oh we're swim racing you know i might be able to take these guys on in that 
And then when I was warming up, me and John were like, oh, shit, why did we say we were going to do that? Like, this definitely isn't a good idea. It's not one of them days where we're really feeling it. But I was like, screw it. I'm going to give it a go. One last swim before we leave, you know, let's uh, give it everything. But it just didn't happen. I literally didn't have anything in the tank. And yeah, he well, bloody beat me. Oh, night and that's night uh, night. I've got a, a massive low, mate. Maybe that will cheer you up. So uh, Joe left on Sunday and I decided to stay for another week. Little recovery. Booked a nice little spa hotel. So the spa was really, really nice. And I uh, went to the hotel, checked in. And uh, then I wanted to go to the spa. And the lady behind the reception was like, all right, but that's uh, that's gonna cost you extra coin, Mister Osterdag. And I said, "Oh, thought it was like included, but all right." Then I had to pay fifty euros, and you're only allowed in the spa for seventy-five minutes. What? I said, I said, yes. I said, I said, honestly, are you, are you, are you? What's this? She said, yeah, seventy-five minutes because of COVID, so uh, people can take turns, and uh, you have like almost a sauna for yourself. I said, I don't want that. I, if I'm going to the sauna, I want a proper session. Like, I want to go in there, do multiple sessions, like bank half a day if I'm really, uh, really, really want to recover. I want to take people out on battles. I can't do a sauna battle oh. if I'm by myself in there, Joe. Can yeah. I? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, I've been I've been robbed of a sauna battle. I've been robbed. robbed. I had a sauna battle as well. Really? After the swim, yeah. All but right, I'll get to well, that in a minute. I'll get to that in a right. bit. Okay. So... Basically, that that I, I picked this hotel because of the spa bit, and then I'm just ending up not going there because I'm not going to pay 50 euro for 75 minutes. I think it's a total ripoff. Fuck them. I'm not going there. That's that is a total ripoff. Um, I had the spa battle. So after the 800 meter TT, me and John, the losers, were like, we've got to redeem ourselves here, John. So we'll do rocks, paper, scissors, and whoever loses out of us has to take a member of the public on in a sauna battle. And I said the rules are. You can be in there. You've got to be in there first because obviously that's the rule, isn't it? You can't go and take someone on. Bearing in mind, no. these people don't know you're taking them on. So you can't go in there. Oh, I've never already been in there for five, ten minutes, sweating the tits off. You've got to go in there first and, like, you know, take it on like a man. So I said, right, we'll go in. And if a member of the public comes in in the first six to eight minutes, then it's on. It's on. Like, you've got to try and beat them. John's like, yeah, all right. And then Noel's like, I want to do it. I want to do it. We're like, mate, you won the swim, TT. This is our chance to redeem ourselves, you know? He's mm -hmm. like, well, I'm going to take you two on anyway in a sauna battle. So, all right, then. Like, here we go. So we went in there, and he's like, I'm not going to leave until you guys get out. I'm going to beat you all. Um, and then we were, like, winding him up a bit in there, saying, no, you're a pussy. You won't last it. Anyway, gets to eight minutes in. He says, oh, I don't feel too good. I feel a bit ill. Um, and we're <laughs> like, oh, come on. You'll be all right. You'll be all right gets about 13 14 you can see he's like having to like lean over as far as he can you know he's trying to move his hair in a certain way so he doesn't overheat too much he said oh i feel really sick i feel like i'm gonna throw up he said i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm he said i'm thinking of horrible memories in the house because he he set, <laughs> he, he set his house on fire didn't he before what really yeah when he was younger he set his house on fire so he said his memory was setting his house on fire and unfortunately very very uh set set uh sad thing that happened was unfortunately one of his dogs died when he set the house on fire total accident oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah crazy story oh, yeah so he said I'm good thinking morning of, joe I, I know I, he said i'm thinking of the pain that dog must have gone through to force himself to stay, <laughs> to, 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 to stay in the sauna for longer i, I want to oh. su i'm suffering for him i'm suffering for him well 
Uh, unfortunately, because well, because afterwards <laughs> I, I I spoke to him about the sauna battle. He said he lost, but he didn't tell me anything that he was thinking about what the dark has yeah, must he, been going through in the, the in the fire. That was how he was psyching himself up, thinking what the dog must have been going through, and said, "I'm going <laughs> to suffer. I'm going to suffer for him to beat him on to beat what it, a proper, beat him." What but a proper grim story. Unfortunately, he didn't suffer enough because he was first out. Boom. Revamp oh. myself. 1-1. One, one. Like, I've, I've lost one sword of battle. 1-1. One, one. I'm like, I'm, oh. I'm even, I'm on an even kill now. I've got some questions about the rules in the DM about the sauna battle. You can't take any drinks. So if you take no. someone on in the sauna and they take a drink, that they take a sip, they've actually lost already. No, they can have and a drink. They can have a drink. Because they can you, have a drink? Yeah, but, because but, they don't know you're taking them on, do they? They think true. they're in there having a good time. Whereas that's the part of the battle is you've got to mentally overcome that. You've got the odds stacked against you. These fuckers are coming after <laughs> you. They've got drinks. So you've got, but you know that you're in there for a battle, like you're going to kill yourself. They're in there for a good time. You know, I, and that's... I know, but still, but still, um, if you're picking someone that goes in with bottles, you already know that they're probably a weak person because who goes in there with a drink? I exactly. did it because I'm a weak person in the sauna. So if you pick someone with a drink, is uh, you should pick a proper one without any drinks, yeah. with with a really small towel. You know, they're the proper sauna sauna boys. The guy that I lost though did had a drink. You know, and I lost that time. It took me until mm -hmm. I would say about now to start feeling normal in, with myself in the saunas. Oh. So that was September. <laughs> but, I had the battle before Chattanooga. It took me October, November, December, January. But five months, five months to start feeling normal in the sauna again. So be aware, guys, if you get in a big battle, you could be in for some long recovery of this. Worse than I, Iron Man. I quickly wanted to say something uh, uh, to the female listeners, Joe. Uh, last week in our latest podcast, we were talking about the bike dynamics and power output for a, uh, a good age grouper versus a yeah, good pro. And I had several females saying, like, you've got female listeners as well. And uh, if I do 250 watts, I'd be absolutely smoking myself, uh, for example. So they said that we sometimes have to take into the account what 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 it would be uh, if we're talking about, for example, race dynamics, how it would be in the, in the female field. So, Joe... Have you got any experience with that? Uh, well, I, <laughs> I did actually see an article a few years ago when they were looking at the top guys in Kona, like their power outputs. And this must have been from like 2014, I think, because I remember looking at it before I went there the first time and they did something about the top females. And I think back then, obviously, the sport's probably gone up a bit. Well, I'll say that power probably hasn't gone up a massive amount. It's probably more aerodynamics. But I think the top females were putting out about 200 to 220 watts on the bike. That's what I think I remember but off the top of my head. Let's uh, put this straight right now. Joe and I purely talk from our perspective and our stories. So we don't have many female raising stories or perspective. What, what we well, can tell you, though. Although, girls, you... I just want to give you a warning. Tom is thinking of identifying as a female. So beware. He could be turning up at an Ironman near you very soon. <laughs> <laughs> with his wig and skirt on in transition if you see him and you're like that doesn't quite look like a female to me you know it's probably tom Ustadek getting ready for his debut i'm, I'm <laughs> here for the win <laughs> yeah he's coming to crush dreams and break and, hearts. Uh, um anyway what we can say is though if you do push the powers that we said in our latest podcast you're probably going to be right up there in the field yeah, just aim for an eight, top age group, age group male power, and you're going to be singing sweet. <laughs> but we'll we'll make sure to um, to think about it in the, in the future. Um, 
Anyway, another low of the week, uh, Joe. The Terminator has broken his collarbone. He's been in an accident. I find it a massive low. The massive, that is a massive low, and I'm more worried about the batter and his turbo trainer is probably going to get, or his bike frame on that turbo trainer. I know. Like, imagine that, 320 watts for five-hour rides. Are they, do you think uh, turbo trainers are tested on 320 watts for five hours? Probably not. It's like, if you've got any washing, you could just take it to him, get him to power your washing machine. He could, like, just uh, wash all your clothes, power your lights, TV, you know. He probably could, honestly. Yeah. He honestly probably could. He needs to think um, about getting his house set up to the meter, doesn't he? You know, he'd save himself a fortune in electricity. If I've got a last uh, high of the week, Joe. So, this is quite a story. Joe and I went out for a nice little cafe in Girona, and we had a quick one because we had a long ride, and... Um, so we had a little coffee, we had a small little chocolate chip cookie, and then uh, we went out on our bikes. And we didn't, we, I think we're still in town where this cyclist. Came oh, yeah, but you've got to set the story, past. Tom. It was a bit, we'd been nailing it up every hill before that. Like, this wasn't just like a cafe ride. This was like a full on one where Tom went for a Strava com on the first climb or something. Like, he was like disappearing up the road. Every climb we were like pushing it, stopped off at the cafe and then rolling out of the town. This is where it happened, isn't it? Like, so yeah. we're rolling out of town. Uh, we're already singing lactate through the years, but we're like easing up, letting the carbohydrates suck into our veins. Um, anyway, there was this cyclist that uh, overtook a, overtook us at like god speed while we were well, still we were, in the middle of the city. Well, we were riding at like 200, 250, about 250 watts, weren't we? Like, because mm -hmm. I remember us going like 35, 40 k's an hour. And he came and past he was, us. He came past us like we're standing still. So we were like, "All right, uh, we'll have a little bit of this." But it and wasn't we were, like it wasn't like the normal way, was it? Because like you can tell when someone's doing an effort and they come past you, you're like, "Fair enough, he's doing an effort." He came past us trying to make it look like he was on an easy Sunday casual ride, looking around at the scenery, weren't it? You know, he was on holding exactly. the top bars. So like, it was a bit of a funny cyclist because indeed he was pushing something like 400 watts, but he was trying to act like he was just doing a little recovery spin. Anyway, I said to Joe, let's have a little bit of this. So we followed him a little bit and we came to the bottom of the climb called Els Angels. Els Angels is a pretty uh, it's a pretty famous climb. It's the big climb. It's like uh, 8K. Corona. It's about 8K. And um, uh, he slowed down a little bit at the bottom of the climb. So then we went in front of him, still riding pretty, I would say something like 280 watts, not, I, nothing well, super crazy. I think I was riding about 300, 320 because I could see John's power meter. So I was just riding like low oh, 300s. Right. But then the climb started and he overtook us at a steady, steady heart pace. So I said to Joe, 300, 360 watts then. He was out right. the saddle because I was looking at it and I was like, all right, this is interesting. And then um, I said to you when he came past, didn't I? I said, one of us has to beat this guy to the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you said. So you said, one of us has to beat this guy. I said, all right, let's go. Go on. So we uh, we sucked his wheel. We went up and uh, I even filmed a little bit of it. We'll post that on the triathlon mockery. Well, he he and faded. And then I went back past thinking, oh, we'll have a little bit of a play with this guy. You know, like he's uh, like not too much. And then I said to Tom, because Tom was filming. And I was going to like, I wanted to bark like a junkyard dog. So I said to Tom, get it again. Like, I want to I, 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 I film it again, film it again. And you thought I said something else, didn't you? Yeah. So he said that, whereas I thought because the guy was fading a little bit, I could see John's power numbers were going back towards 300. And I thought that Joe said something like LT3, LT3. And to give you an example, what LT3 means. So Lionel Sanders trains at LT1, uh, which is like <laughs> your, your first. <laughs> 
threshold zone. Then you've got LT2. Joe, what, what, how would you uh, describe LT3 in combination to LT, LT2? So LT2 is like your anaerobic threshold. And LT3, the funny thing is, doesn't even exist. So Tom thought that I was saying LT3, which he was obviously thinking was just like, go piss Max, taken. go Max, go yeah, piss taken. Like, because, absolutely balls out. Because we just keep taking the piss out of what we see from like the others, but they keep training at like LT1, LT2. And then whenever we do like really hard, like through and off where we're like smashing it, we just take the piss saying, oh, LT3. So he thought I was shouting at him LT3, which is like some random code word for like, Drop the hammer, like everything you've got. So Tom just fucking started thought, smashing it. And I thought this must be right because Joe's not getting any training benefits for doing 320 <laughs> watts. LT3, let's go. So we uh, we maxed it up every climb. We we managed to do a pretty solid ride in the end because the ride had 120 k's, 2k elevation, 32 k's an hour average, and on, in the middle bits, like on the flats, we took it actually pretty uh, pretty easy. So uh, John um, had a great ride in as well. Uh, so that was a massive high of the week. Big laugh, and we still got the video content. Um, Joe, uh, we I wanted to quickly talk with you about um, the future of triathlon mockery because we are going to St. George. We're just going to do it, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to go to St. George. We're going to try and get a load of content. So we want to get Tom, like, because obviously I'll be concentrating on the race a bit in race week. So Tom and uh, a videographer are going to go there. They want to like go and do some training with some of the pros and have our spin on it. So it's a bit funny, some good banter with some of the athletes uh, in the lead up. Uh, but basically Tom will be joining them in some of their training sessions or like during, mm -hmm. like within the last, like say nine days to like uh, a few days out when people are probably getting ready and they, they don't want him around. If they want him around, then yeah, he's more than, he's more than up for it. Um, but yeah. I already, uh, I already spoke to the Terminator. He was up for a 320 watt easy ride before the race and a mockery special anyway we're gonna we want to get to some some specials out there uh, a daily vlog um we're currently looking into uh, a sponsor of the show for that specific video but if not we're still gonna do it we're gonna pay it out of our own pockets um but thinking about that we were thinking about the content because we want to create a more some sort of uh, uh media empire the triathlon mockery media empire now we want to give you guys more content so more videos on the indoor trainer as well as uh, we want to uh, get get some extra podcasts out there and in order to get it because it is um for example jody what we we had two videographers coming out to the uh, training camp yeah and uh, and it oh, costs like well it's like two thousand euros basically for it and that was like for six days footage but we want to try and do it where we get like some videographers when we go on like the training camps, getting the stuff for like triathlon mockery and just uh, getting a bit funny, but doing it under the triathlon mockery banner and uh, taking that off and getting some more stuff out for you. So we're thinking of doing a patrons. Uh, thing. Yeah, it, we, we only want to do it if the crowd is interested. So first of all, I wanted to say that we didn't make the triathlon mockery because we want to earn money. We made it because first of all, we think triathlon is sometimes way too serious and we want to create more togetherness and a bit more like the, the the banter kind of style, the UFC kind of style, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So if indeed you guys are are, are keen and interested in that, we might want to set up a Patreon uh, account and ask something like four euros or five euros, 
um, for them people that then would pay that. We would use that money to use to make extra content, content, videos, podcasts that will be available for them people. But first of all, we want to know if you're interested in that. So we're going to set up a poll on the Travel and Mockery page. If not, we just um, it's going to stay the way it is. Yeah, we'll just carry on the way it is. So it'd be interesting just to get feedback for it. And we also thought about like potentially like putting our spin on like what we thought of like different areas for training. Didn't we, you know, like writing it on? Yeah, so we want to, we want, if, if so, if we have the budget, we want to set up a community, so a website where we're going to post up uh, all our training camps, what places we've been to, what great cafes are, as well as a little bit of feedback on races, what are great races to do, what are great places to stay at races. So basically, we want to create like a platform sort of, um, uh, and the conclusion of everything should be in the end bit of fun and piss taking. We're going to yeah. organize a beer mile at the end of St. George. So after the race in St. George, we're going to organize some sort of party and beer mile. Um, yeah, as so well we, as we've we're been thinking. We're going to do a beer mile day after St. George in the afternoon. If anyone's up for it, there'll be two competitions, one for the normal people that haven't raced and one for the people that have raced. Uh, if you raced and you win both, then you're an absolute hero. Like that is legendary status. Like Yeah, it's but- legendary status. <laughs> uh, as well as... Uh, yeah, maybe a travel mockery at the end of the year, mini training camp. Uh, that's the kind of stuff we've been thinking on, uh, thinking about. Um, speaking of Joe, the training uh, camp though, just before we go into it, would probably be we're thinking like four days, aren't we? Do a bit, some training, not serious, but going out, having a bit of a laugh, a few drinks and stuff, just a good way to end it, not like a proper serious training camp where you're like killing yourself every day and like uh, drinking green smoothies, athletic greens, or something like that, you know. Uh, no, no, no. As well as, uh, um, yeah, it's a bit more of a, having a uh, off-season uh, chat. Off-season some blowout training, with some, with some, um, with some uh, bit of fun, bit of banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, St. George is, uh, is going on anyway. We're going to make it happen. Um, then, Joe, I've got some really cool, uh, we had some really cool stuff in our DM last week. Uh, as you know, Paul Felder is a big fan of the podcast. He's a former UFC fighter. He's a current commentator of UFC, and he's a big triathlon enthusiast. We've already had a chat with him about getting him on the podcast in the future, and uh, he's invited us to the UFC fights in London in March. And we're going to do a podcast special with him there at the UFC fights, as well as we're going to do a video there, aren't we? Yeah, because yeah, definitely. We want to combine. We want to combine. UFC fight, Travelo Mockery podcast, as well as the day after a cycling race. We yeah, we're going to do a cycling race down there. There's I've already looked and said to Tom, "Hey Tom, you like uh, taking on the cyclists?" Well, Tom, I've found you a little crit, which is at the London Olympic Park, the day of the UFC fight. Let's see if we can take on the cyclists on their own backyard. That would be awesome. Great weekend. <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't wait, can't wait. Uh, you'll be, you'll be throwing out more junkyard dogs than you've ever done before, won't you? <laughs> Probably that junkyard dog during the race is going to get my, uh, my zone, so going to get my heart rate into LT3 instead of the actual effort. There's also a new one, isn't there? There's the junkyard dog, and then there's the horse. Remember? The horse. So remember, indeed. So you've got the dog. The dog is more of a, a general either uh, encouragement or discouragement. Um, and you've also got the horse. You, you pull the horse whenever whenever you're pulling over 750 watts. So if you're doing a little sprint, you're going over 750 watts, you just pull the horse. Yeah, so, so if, you pull, if you've got a justifiable reason to pull the horse, you know you're a big baller. You know, you yeah, could be you doing know. an attack on the climb. 
you can pull the horse if it's over 750 watts because that is one horsepower. So if you're attacking with more than one horsepower, pull the horse, you know, because that's, pull that's the what you are. Gotta you're pull an, the horse in. You're an animal. It's, <laughs> it's, by the way, if you would put it in, in into a, a some sort of uh, contrast, junkyard dog first the horse. I would say the dog is still the big one out of the two. The dog's the king. The horse is just a bit of uh, funny banter, uh, but you've got to be a bit of a baller to, to, to pull it, haven't you? Yeah, you gotta be. Uh, you gotta be. Is there a? Uh, oh, and there's no difference between male or female horsepower. A horsepower is 750 watts. Uh, so, hinnick like a horse. You're a real big baller if you're a female and you do it, aren't you? If you're a 60 yeah. kilo for female and you're doing that, you're gonna be Holy flying shit. up that. Yeah, yeah, you're like Alaphilippe. That, that is that is crazy. That's actually a bit scary. I piss my pants. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's go over to the main subject of the week. This week, Joe and I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, actually, wanted to talk about training camps in general. So, um, but then from a amateur perspective, so we had, you've got lots of amateurs that go in on a training camp for a week, and they've got a specific view on the training camp, as well as we're going to talk about the uh, post training camp recovery. Yeah, uh, I go on in. I was just going to say, yeah, we wanted to say about um, whether or not you should finish a training camp and be absolutely like, should you basically go out for a week or 10 days with the aim of completely cooking yourself so you do as much training as you can in 10 days? Is that a good way to to finish a training camp? Like back in the day, I remember when I used to go on training camps and I was like, you know, 18, 19 or even like young 20s, like the idea of the training camp was just to completely annihilate yourself when you wanted to be leaving like in a, in a, uh, in a coffin basically and if you'd done that then you knew it was a successful camp but is that the best way to do it where you feel like you're totally screwed like what do you think tom um well i think the answer i've done it in the past like my normal training weeks would be something like between eight and eleven hours and i would go on a training camp and i'd train double the amount of hours of jan fredino and magnus Divdiv together so um that would put me in a massive i always call it the k-hole it's something if you're went on loads of drugs and you went into this really <laughs> negative uh how do you call it like into like a downer or something into the k-hole um that's when you know uh it's bad so i'll give you an example i went on a training camp with a mate of mine in lancerati it's always windy there Every who was it, it what mate was it uh i don't think you know him he's called marcel marcel Giermann. was he a beast then? was he a beast then back in the day like someone he was a 45 year old proper iron man tattoo on his calf athlete that took it pretty serious so he was a beast for his age would he would, would he have a glucose monitor now if that was back in back then if they were out would he have been like younger um, he's the kind of type that wouldn't wear one but would re- wear three glucose monitors in case he smoked one in case the other one didn't read well he'd have multiple oh wow so, and he could monitor from different limbs couldn't he to see if they he, all teed up exactly he could he would have one of his calf one of his shoulder uh anyway we went to the training camp so normally i would ride something like 150 k's a week uh run something like what would it be 30 k's 40 k's and then do a couple of swims when i came to that island boom five swims 450k bike and we ran something like 70 k's you've come <laughs> back you're in an absolute very very dark place uh every tendon is on the edge of of uh, cramping as well as uh, 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 injuries, so muscle muscle breakdowns, uh, you name it. Um, basically, the view of amateurs on about well, the majority of of age groupers on a training camp is this is my vacation and I'm gonna stuff as much training in there as I can. Now the question is, Joe, is that smart? Is it? I, to, uh, I think it's like when you're younger and you go on an 18 to 30 holiday, isn't it? 
And like the idea is to get like absolutely obliterated every night, isn't it? You know, on drinks. Yeah. Like when you're home, you might go out once a week, sometimes twice a week. If you're a student in your first year, you might go out three times a week, 18 to 30 holiday, seven nights, seven nights you're out, aren't you? Absolutely annihilated every night. That's what that's that's what some of these people do on training camp. But like, it's not the best thing for you, is it? You know, like, I think you want to do more training because especially if you're working full time, because you can recover, True. can't you? Like, so you want to make the most of it, but you don't want to be putting yourself in a total box because there should be, uh, there should be a fine line into it. So to give an example, you should structure that week. Cause what I see with some people that go then to uh, go on a training camp, all of a sudden they do like every, every ride they do must be over like four or five hours. Whereas you should just structure it a little bit. You can't just do, I wouldn't even do four times, four to six hours on a training camp. Would you, if you go away for a week, boom, 20 hours sure. of cycling be impressive wouldn't it and then uh, also when when they uh when they come back because they're so, in such a hole they have to take like quite a long while to recover from it that you mm -hmm. lose the kind of gains that you've got from the week because you've had to take so much time off to get over the fatigue that you've done so you don't want to be doing that if you have to take so much time off to get over the fatigue you've built up in the week's training camp it's probably had more of a detrimental effect and it's probably not going to be as fun on the training camp if you're literally putting yourself in a hole like nearly every day you know doing seven or eight hour training days you know so you don't want to do quite so much you don't want to do quite so much as that um but you don't want to do yeah. a bit more than normal if you're working normally true so um to give a little bit of a static week overview what a normal age grouper would do something like a long ride throughout the week and then one easy ride throughout the week uh, i mean one long ride in the weekend one easy ride throughout the week and one interval ride right so yeah. we'd be normally i would say for an average age grouper between five and seven hours tops i would say even between three and seven hours tops of cycling a week um if you'd up that to already 12 hours or 10 hours during a training camp is already a massive step up, isn't it? Yeah, I would say as well, if you're an age grouper and you go away in the winter and the weather's normally bad where you are, cycling's the main one you want to focus on because yeah. you can get a lot more miles in and you can recover and it's less, from it. Exactly, less injury. Yeah, yeah you and recover. The, the swim, there's probably that's probably the main one you want to probably cut back on because... Swim you, takes so much out of you. You can't just... Uh, that's, that's what I've found as well in the past... If you've been swimming, if you swim normally two times a week, on all of a sudden you try to swim five times, it's just not going to happen. Maybe it's going to happen in that week, but you just well, and feel... you can swim a lot more when you get back. If the weather's bad and stuff, you can knock the bike yeah. back a little bit and swim more then. But like when you're in going on a training camp and the weather's great and you're with like other people and you can't normally bike like three to four hours most days because mm -hmm. of the weather and work and stuff, I think you want to do more cycling. You'll probably gain from that, and it takes less out of you. Like whereas if you run, say you run like you try to run six days and you try to up your running loads, you could easily injure yourself in that one week. And that would be oh. massively detrimental. And and the real, real top class people that, that, that are keen for a K hole experience, they would end massively up the intensity as well as the volume. So volume and intensity, that is the right recipe for the K hole, isn't it? That is the right recipe. Yeah. I was talking to uh, old Sam Proctor who's out training in Spain at the moment. And he reckons that, on their training camp they've got a nice little route what they do they ride out to it it's a 20k loop and they have three 20k loops he's training with loads of the guys from leeds so like roof Assel and like uh i don't know if the brownleys are out on it or whatever but it sounds like a right good uh, session they ride ride out to this little loop 20k loop 
three laps of it and it's like a race and apparently it's a bit of a downhill it's got some undulating bits and it's got a gradual climb i was thinking tom that would be so fun wouldn't it could you imagine three that would lap, be good fun. you ride yeah, out yeah, for yeah. a three lap race around there i said to him god that sounds fun that sounds right up our street doesn't yeah, it yeah yeah that's uh that's down our street a cycle race once uh, a week like on the training camp how fun would that be you, you had a funny story about you've been doing cycling training camps haven't you in the in the past yeah so i worked at a cycling training camp in like two the winter of 2012 I was there for like six months and we used to get like, I mean, there was triathletes that come out as well and cyclists and like the cyclists would be like, yeah, we're going to come out for a week and we want to ride a hundred miles every day. And on that, like, so they do, they wanted their basic plan was five or six hours for the first three days. And then an easier day on the fourth day, which might be like, I don't know, two hours or something, ride to a cafe and back. And then they wanted to be doing five, six hour rides, like in the mountains every day. And like they'd start off first day and they'd all be attacking each other up the climbs, you know, loving it, feeling good putting out some decent numbers second day there'd be a few less attacks but there'd still be some third day there'd be very few attacks some people would be lagging off the off the back some people would be at the front they'd, you could see their heads were down before the start of the ride you know they're so slowly driving into the k-hole yeah you can tell because in the first day they're like <laughs> nine o'clock we'll leave for instance everyone's ready five to nine raring to go the sun's out everyone's on time second day a few people are a bit later third day it's 10 past nine a few people are ready other people still haven't even got their cycling shorts on yet you go out day four they're totally smashed at the cafe thinking shit what have we done like we've completely uh bitten off more than we can chew and then days like five six and seven or whatever are literally they just turn into recovery days as well because they're all smashed they're all just laying by the pool and they can't get out anymore <laughs> they're in the k-hole the, this is the uh the urban dictionary about the k-hole so k-hole means to have used too much of the drug ketamine and lost sense of time, space, balance, and verbal skills. So indeed, if you put yourself in a K-hole during a training camp, you're going to lose the sense of time, space, balance, and verbal skills, isn't it? So basically, you'll get the same effect as taking ketamine, he says. Yeah, too much <laughs> ketamine. Like, that is what a training camp does to you if you if you do uh, too much of it. But now, so that's the first thing, but I think even more important is the post-training camp recovery week um, or a post-training block recovery week because I have made this uh, mistake in the past so often. Um, so you, you're normally, if you're working with a coach or if you don't, um, the plan should have some form of structure. You should have a, a plan-specific block, either three weeks, four weeks, two weeks, I don't know what you're on, um, but that should be a build week or build block. And then you should have a recovery period or recovery week. And in the past, I've always not really taken the recovery weeks too ser so serious. I always wanted to do more training because I was scared of losing fitness, as well as, for example, uh, halfway throughout the week, you're feeling great again because you're fresh and then you're smashing like easy sessions. And then the week after the new block starts, and you start to feel fatigued too early because you didn't take your rest week too early. So we're going to talk about that rest week right now because, Joe, we had a nice little training block. And now Tom now, loves nothing more than sitting on a beach with a nice cocktail in his hand thinking, exactly. got to take I the wanna, recovery seriously. <laughs> got to take – this podcast is actually – I'm going to the beach, listen yeah. to this podcast myself, and I'm going, to make, I'm going to make myself feel very good about it, not feel guilty at all. Well, after the end of a training camp or a block, you definitely want to take it take the, a decent recovery bit of time because the gen general thing what people think is training's going well they've done loads of training and they just want to keep going more and more and more and especially leading up to an Ironman people just end up digging themselves into a hole and I'd say the number the one hole the k-hole and I'd say the number one cause for most people underperforming in an Ironman 
is probably because they've just overtrained so much in the lead up to the race that on race day or when they have the time off to, uh, you know, the taper, their body's just overcompensating and they've just got nothing in the tank. Like, for instance, we're both thinking of racing South Africa, aren't we, on the 3rd of April. So we're taking it yeah. easy now. We've done a really good block of training. We're going to have a week easy where so we, we did, fully recover. So we did a, a three-week block, pretty uh, big one. We were on the way to the K-hole, but we didn't manage to get there because uh, we didn't put ourselves and we in did, the hole. And we did a decent bit of training before we even went out there, didn't we, as well? Like, it wasn't like... Exactly. And now we've got the uh, the recovery week. And, uh, um, well, we said to each other, well, normally always do it, uh, the volume is going to is massively going down to from approximately 30 hours a week to like 12 hours um as well as i'm not going to do any intensity this week it's all going to be aerobic easy. That, i have heard that before because when we were on the training camp tom's like yeah should we do an easy ride today should we do an easy ride and then there was always and then like if his legs felt good he just start ripping it up on a climb or being like oh should we do through and off to the finish should we do la chain gang <laughs> it's gonna help you i mean um I, I i i didn't do it for myself i did it for you because i want you to be fit for saint george and i don't want any excuses afterwards that you say oh no i i haven't really ride at that at the proper intensity the last couple of weeks and tom let me down on the bike and he helped me back blah blah, blah. i would so love I, to I would have loved to have known what we actually did on the rides because me and Tom, like if you're wondering why we're, when we're talking about the power earlier on, like why we're going on about John's power is because neither of us had a power meter. So we, our only gauge was to connect to John's power meter to see roughly what we were doing. But so, For example, that ride, the, the one we did, 120Ks um, over a couple of climbs, 2K elevation, 32Ks an hour. John had a normalized power of just under 300 watts, I think 295. And um he couldn't stay with us on the climbs so that's a bit of the indication we have the yeah. only indication well, and he was like uh sat in a lot on the flat as well wasn't he so it was yeah. still like that so it was uh, that was like but the thing is we had quite a lot of hard rides because there was always someone who was ripping it up weren't there like because someone would yeah. always have good legs and the other ones couldn't just let them go so we'd go with it but one thing i would say is i felt fantastic on the bike towards the end like i felt so strong and uh John was even saying that the trend was that his normalized power had gone up like 20 to 30 watts by the start of the camp to the yeah, end. Yeah, over the three the weeks, that is, uh, that is uh, good. But it's cu I'm curious to see now how you're going to do, um, because you've got some training loops, haven't you, around your place where you normally do efforts on. Yeah, I would yeah. be curious to see how you feel right now compared to uh, to the past. And then you could definitely say whether you're fit or not. Do the listeners think that me and Tom should take on a 4DP test and video at some point? If you don't know what that is, it's probably Tom has actually done a video on his YouTube where he videoed it before, and it is possibly the most grim power test you can do. It's two seven-second sprints, a five-minute max effort, then a 20-minute max effort, and then a one-minute max effort. It's a great test for to get at your trading zones because it looks at all your different like capacities. That test would put you in the right K-hole. That test, <laughs> that that test gives me nightmares thinking about doing it. But like it is it is great to do it for the data you get and for how much it helps you. But when you're doing it at the time, you're like, why on earth did I think about doing this? But it is funny, isn't it? It is pretty funny, yeah. Um so let's talk about the, the after training camp recovery. What are you going to do this week? So you had a travel day yesterday and the day before. I'm just going to take it easy this week. I'm going to try and get to the pool uh, maybe three or four times and uh, or three times probably this week and then uh, do a bit of cycling. I'm not, I haven't really got a plan as such. I'm just going to listen to the body. But like you say, just cut the volume massively down 10, 12 hours. I'm going to force myself to do a little, mm -hmm. a lot less than what I'd want to. Like I actually feel pretty good. 
but I want to make sure I fully recover. And um, when I get into the next block of trading, I'm able to get my heart rate up high, you know, if I want to, you know, it can get up towards yeah. like, because I think that's always a good sign that you're uh, recovered and, and and then hit the last three weeks training pretty hard and then uh, taper for South Africa. And, that should and that's, the, that's the whole big mistake, isn't it? Because um, the gains aren't made when you put yourself in a hole and trading hard on the intervals. The gains are made during the recovery week when you recover from all the intense training you've done. So when you take the recovery week too hard, then you probably won't be able to recover as such um, as you want to actually. And then the block after you can't push it as hard because you're not fully recovered. So it's actually some sort of double, um, and the, a and double the downer. The recovery will always be the hardest bit to do because you'll feel good and you'll want to be going out there smashing it, but it's probably the most important bit, but you'll have to like force yourself to not do too much because the temptation is always, Oh, I feel all right. I'll go out. And you probably yeah. will feel all right because you don't want to be completely spent where you're on the floor, where you're on your knees. But mm -hmm. like that is where you'll get the gains and then you'll be fresher going into the last block or your next block of training. And you'll be able to get more gains, you know, get a bigger adaptation from that because you'll be able to really yeah. like uh, push it and uh, your body won't be like on its knees. But next. Um, uh, shall we uh, go over to that bullshit buster, Joe? Yeah, the bullshit buster following on from a similar theme is the Garmin recovery score like it is probably the biggest load of bullshit i've ever seen in my life like you do like an interval session like i mean i used to use one and it used to tell me when i did an in interval session 30 hours or something recovery and i'm like jesus this is like just a normal <laughs> interval session like you know 30 hours of doing nothing and then you do another training session like uh the next time and it would go like 40 hours or 20 hours i mean if you listen to that you'd literally be doing two sessions a week and that'd be it yeah, I, I actually wonder if there's someone that listens to the Garmin recovery advice because um, there are several things you could think about it. Um, yes, it sees your heart rate's going up and all recovery time delayed. But if you're actually listening to it, are you going to sack off an interval session because the watch says it? It's always going like you're going to see how you feel, isn't it? And if you feel absolutely shocking and terrible, then, yeah, maybe you had a, a parameter that says you were pretty fucked. But and also, what is the highest recovery uh, advice someone's been given? I think I've seen 50-something hours, but has anyone seen any more than that? Like, has anyone <laughs> Stop seen doing 60? sports. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop, <laughs> you're at danger. <laughs> recovery time delayed. You're in the K-hole. <laughs> yeah. System overload. System. <laughs> but the recovery, the Garmin recovery, it's just, it seemed for this, <clears throat> the Garmin uh, elevation adaptation. Have you ever seen that one? The, the altitude adaptation? I've even had it at, no. like, I, I'm, I'm living in The Hague, which is, like, minus 20 uh, under sea level. <laughs> and it says that I'm I'm, I'm uh, uh, busy with altitude adaptation. I'm like, what the hell? Really? Is this? How yeah. the hell would it know that? Mate, I've got no clue. But didn't you say that when you went to altitude and went to Kenya that you felt flawed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was adapting under sea level. Adapting yeah. under sea level. He can now cope with 200 meters under sea level. <laughs> <laughs> but that is uh, that is a big bullshit monster. I don't think a watch should be um, should be should be concerned about like putting that stuff up. I, should it? I imagine the kind of person that would listen to the Garmin recovery advice <clears throat> is the kind of person that also has a glucose uh, sensor because they want all the extra data. They probably they want to go off the data. They want to go off the data. They use the neck thing in the gym because they're like, you need a strong neck for your aero position, um, and yeah. they probably God. I I don't know. They're a very strange kind of person. They probably have a very big Iron Man tattoo, don't they? 
very, very, it would scream all loud the and place. proud. They, it would be in a really prominent position. They'd, they'd go out in, in uh, vapor flies and that kind of stuff. Vapor flies to the pub. Well, uh, no, they wouldn't go to the pub, would they? Vapor flies to the smoothie bar. Anyway, Joe, let's go over to the Instagram post of the week. Instagram Insta- post of the week. Oh, this is crazy. Like, we were in the gym, me and Tom, and gym people, they're, they're worse than sightless, to be honest. So we were in the gym, and there's some, there's always some strange people in there, isn't there? You know, and one this guy in particular, we were trying. I wanted to use the uh, the uh, squat rack thing. Well, at first, at first, we need to warm the story up. We went uh, in the gym, and we were doing a little static warm up. We're using a, a elastic band, and then properly warm them big Ironman muscles up. And all of a sudden, this guy came walking in, and he was dressed up like he was going to run a marathon through the Arctic, wasn't he? Oh, you, mind you, you, you spotted him first, didn't you? You were yeah. like... I said, mind you, we're in Spain. It was about 16, 17 degrees outside, sunny, uh, and he was coming into the gym, and it's an open gym. I mean, it's inside, but it had, like, the windows open. It was pretty warm, and he was wearing... Uh, uh, a, a a really big hoodie as well as a, a scarf, and a he had some sort. Of, he, he had a hatband on, and he had really long socks that almost went up to his underpants. Like he was going to run a marathon on the Arctic. He looked like a cross and, between a cross dresser and an ultra runner. Someone who's it, like got identity confusion. He doesn't really know what he's training for or what he's doing. But he, he was it, he was a very strange type of guy. He came in and he was like, screw the warm up. I'm just going straight over to the bench press. So he went over to the bench press and first he unpacked all his stuff. So this is just a guy that goes to the gym for a session. Now he was going to the gym and was on for a picnic because he brought his coffee mug and I'm not shitting you. He had like this, this thing that he could drink. Maybe what was it like 10 cups of coffee? Oh, a liter, a liter of coffee, basically. It was a liter of coffee. And he said, all oh, this guy, like a nutrition box and just so many bullshit what he had with him. Then he sat on the bench press and he just sat there sitting and waiting and waiting. And then he got up. It was starting to walk around chatting to people and you wanted to use the bench press, didn't well, you? No, it, he had, so right, it was actually on the Smith rack, you know, this. so it wasn't like a normal bench rack thing. It was on the Smith rack, you know, where you can like, the thing holds it so you can't go offline because I've had a few injuries, so I want to use it. Um, and he was like, he had a bench there, but he'd gone like AWOL, he'd gone walkies like for a good five minutes. So I moved his bench out of the way to try and do it because I'm like, this guy's gone, like, you know, he's nowhere to be seen. And he comes flying over to me. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, you know, obviously he's in Spanish saying something. I could tell he was very disgruntled. Um, and then, <laughs> and then uh, I was like, all right, all right, he's going to use it. And then like, he didn't even use it. He just told me off, put the bench back and then went away, had a chat. And he would basically do that. And I'm saying to Tom, God, this guy's a douche. Like, he's like, he was, he's a proper, proper douche because then he came back. He did one set of five reps and then he walked away again and someone walked up to him. They said, hey, mate, is there any chance that you're done today with the bench press? And he said, as you can see, I am pretty, pretty busy. And um, as you can see, I'm kind of a big deal in here. So I'd appreciate I'm kind of a big just... deal. But now <clears throat> um, this big douche uh, did the bench press in a very, very specific way, didn't he? Oh my God, I've never seen anything like it. So normally on the bench press, you just literally sit that, lay down on the thing, don't you? Your legs are on, your feet are on the floor. This guy had his legs up in the air. So his legs were at like 90 degrees to his uh, his back. Uh, and he had hooked them round the bit on like the Smith machine. 
then he was like pushing it up his like head was like bent over honestly it looked like he was trying to suck himself off or something like <laughs> i was i was trying to do my i was trying to do some like lunges <laughs> i was trying to do some lunges in there and i could see it out of the corner of my eye and i thought this guy can't be for real like this must be a piss take surely but honestly i couldn't believe that i'd actually seen someone do that's the only i've only ever seen that kind of thing on instagram before or on YouTube, and just normally, like, you wonder, is it set up for the camera just for a bit of fun? But I couldn't believe that I was actually seeing I, this with my own eyes. I was waiting for the moment that someone would come out and think, haha, this is a secret camera kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you guys thought he was for real. No, he's obviously not drinking coffee in the gym and, and keeping the bench press occupied for four hours. <laughs> but luckily, Tom managed to get a video of him. So uh, keep stay tuned, because we've got to post this up, haven't we? Like, this was, like funny as anything this was funny as anything but you gotta see it um anyway joe uh let's uh, finish this one off don't forget to rate our podcast and we're really curious what do you think of the uh patreon's content creation so we want to create that platform as well as more podcasts and especially uh more videos where we want to give you guys more insight in uh and we want to give uh, let you participate so the one that is interested in it uh, sending questions, um, all that kind of stuff. We want to be more open about the triathlon world and how to become a better yeah. version and, um, of yourself. No, we don't say yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's right. you'll, have, you'll, have to, you'll have to sign up to Triathlon Taron's Motive uh, training plan if you want to become a better version of yourself. Unfortunately, with ours, you'll probably learn loads of bad habits, and uh, but you'll have a good time doing it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the thing. You'll, you'll, you're more likely to enjoy the sports and see the good thing of it. But um, now, if you're interested in potentially doing it, just uh, let us know. Uh, there's no, obviously no obligation to do it. We, this is literally just us like trying to get a bit of feedback to see whether or not it's worthwhile us putting it out there or not. You know, we just want to know whether or not it's uh, viable. But yeah, anyway, thanks, guys. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for the chat. See you. Bye-bye.